0: Still getting used to my Harry Potter robe. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Mark, the first chapter, verses 14 through 20. Hear now the word of our Lord. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Once they left their, at once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. It's a story I love about a man um, who loves to fish. And he notices that his neighbor loves to fish too. Uh, his neighbor's got a pickup truck and it's got a hitch and, and it's got a boat uh, hitched to a pickup truck. And he notices that his neighbor, every Saturday morning, um, will leave early in the morning and he'll come back with... Uh, with the whole bag of his pickup truck full of fish. The first couple of times he thinks, man, this, guy, this guy's lucky. Um, but after a, after a few more Saturdays of this, the guy starts thinking, wow, this is a great fisherman. Um, I need to find out what his secret is. Maybe he's got some water hole he goes to that, that no one knows about, or, uh, or maybe um, he uses some kind of special lure or, or bait. Um, but, but this guy knows what's going on. And so he works up the courage uh, to invite himself along um, on one of his neighbors' fishing trips. And so the day comes. They get up really early on Saturday morning. Um, they really don't go to any special watering hole. It's, it's the lake um, that, uh, that the guy's used to going to. Um, and, uh, and so he's sort of wondering, well, maybe it's a special bait or something like that. They get out into the middle of the lake, and, uh, and the man uh, pulls out, a, out of his duffel bag, he unzips his duffel bag, and he pulls out a stick of dynamite. And he lights the stick of dynamite, and he throws it into the lake, and whoosh! And a couple seconds later, fish start rising to the top of the lake. And the man just rows around the lake uh, uh, with one of those handheld nets and starts scooping the fish into the boat. And, uh, and, and so the guy starts thinking, this is illegal. I can't be party to this. Um, and so he starts, uh, he starts to sort of excuse himself. He says, I really want to thank you for inviting me along, um, but I really don't feel like I can be part of this. If the game warden sees this, I'll be in big trouble. I'll lose my fishing license. Um, could you please just, uh, I won't tell anybody about what you're doing. Will you please just uh, row the boat to the shore and, and, and let me get out, and, and you can go on your way. Uh, the man quietly opens up his d- duffel bag, pulls out a stick of dynamite, lights it, Hands it to the guy and says, are you going to talk or are you going to fish? (laughs) I believe that is the question before us this morning. Are you going to talk or are you going to fish? See, in our passage this morning, Jesus shows up out of nowhere and demands an immediate response from these fishermen He's not messing around. He just shows up at their place of work and says, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. It's very familiar to us, isn't it? We've heard that verse all throughout our lives. Uh, I grew up singing a song about it. Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, fishers of men. This is why I'm not in to choir, by the way. Um, but, but we know that verse. And then when we hear it another way, maybe uh, in another translation, and, uh, and we hear the, the, the more inclusive version, come after me and I will make you fish for people. It just doesn't sound right to us. You know, and I I like inclusive versions, but I'm just so used to come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It just, it grates on my ears just a little bit because of the way I'm used to hearing it. But we've gotten so used to hearing it sometimes, I think we don't hear it. And the English doesn't really capture the intensity. It sounds to us like an invitation. But in the Greek, it's a command. One commentator wrote that that a better translation would be, Get behind me now. We're going fishing for people. Get behind me now. It's shocking, isn't it? Imagine you're at your place of work. Someone you've never met before just burst through the door, says, Stop everything, quit your job, we're going people fishing. You have to make a decision. You have a lot of questions. Who are you? What's people fishing? How much does it pay? Right? You have a lot of questions. But more shocking than this invitation is the disciples' response. At once, they dropped their nets. They didn't even take the time to entertain the questions. At once, they dropped their nets. This word, at once, in Greek, is youthless. I only bring it up because this is the gospel writer Mark's favorite word. In 16 chapters, he uses it over 40 times. It's this word that means immediately, at once. It's in verse 20 again, without delay. We're constantly told that That being with Jesus, he's a whirlwind. Everything is at once, immediately, suddenly. He does something and then at once he's on to the next thing. And you got to keep up with him if you're going to follow him. (laughs) Jesus is a man on a mission. No time to talk. He lights the stick of dynamite. He puts it in our hands, and he demands an immediate response. Are you going to talk, or are you going to fish? And the disciples respond, even though it means leaving everything they know and depend on. See, we're told in verse 20 that James and John left Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. This tells us two things. First, Zebedee was doing all right for himself. Old man Zebedee was able to hire some people to help out with the business. Now, we talk about the poor fishermen, the poor illiterate fishermen. Um, They were illiterate, probably just because most people in that area at that time were. in Galilee, you're either a farmer or a fisherman. And fishermen were a little better off. I mean, they weren't rich by any stretch of the imagination, but they were comfortable. They were able to afford to relax, to hire some people, to invest in their business. And so, James and John are leaving comfortable work behind. They're not leaving grinding surf work. They're leaving stability, a steady income, a little luxury. And for what? They don't know. A life of depending on others, going from town to town, not knowing where where they're going to sleep or what they're going to eat the next day. Birds have nests, Jesus says to his disciples, and foxes have dens. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. They're giving up all of their stability, all of, uh, all of the things that they can depend on when they drop those nets immediately and follow, going in to get uncharted into the unknown. The second thing we learn about Zebedee uh, uh, having hired hands means James and John are his only sons who or his, or are his only sons old enough to work and help out with the business. Which puts James and John in violation of the fifth commandment. Honor thy father and mother. See, in ancient world, it was okay maybe if the younger son went off and, uh, and studied under a rabbi as long as one of the older kids was able to support the parents. But if both sons go off and leave only the hired hands, they're violating tradition. It would have been scandalous. We don't know what old man Zebedee's reaction was. Did he yell and curse? Did he cry? Did he just stand there in shock? Was there a part of him that understood? Maybe always understood. We don't know. All we do know is that when James and John dropped their nets, they dropped everything they'd ever known and depended on, and they did it without batting an eye. This morning... The stick of dynamite is in your hands. Jesus is looking at you. You don't have time to consider the cost, what you might lose. You must decide. Are you going to talk or are you going to fish? I think more mysterious than why the fishermen responded the way they did is why Jesus even called them in the first place. These fishermen. It's not what we would do. If you're assembling a team, you want to go after the best and the brightest. I really like heist movies. And one of my favorites is Ocean's Eleven. Again, Ocean's Eleven, Danny Ocean gets out of prison and he decides uh, he's going to celebrate by um, robbing three casinos um, and getting into this impregnable vault. And in order to do this, he has to uh, assemble 11 um, um, highly competent robbers. He gets this uh, close-up street magician. He gets a pickpocket. He gets a master hacker. He gets a pyrotechnics expert. He gets a, a Chinese acrobat that can fit into small spaces. You know what Danny Ocean doesn't do? He doesn't go down to the fishing docks and pick four random people that have never been in a casino before. But this is exactly what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't go into the cities after the urban elite, the well educated, the people that will be able to keep up with his parables. He doesn't uh, go to the synagogues and look for students there who who are doing well in their religious studies and are ready to take it to the next level. No. Jesus shows up at the lake. The Sea of Galilee, by the way, is a lake. It's a freshwater lake with some fish in it. He goes to the lake and he picks these four nobodies. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. In the Gospel of Mark, they're the only disciples that get speaking parts. They make up the inner core of the 12 disciples. These are the the, the nucleus of, of, of Jesus' plan for the church and for the world. And they're four nobodies. I bring this up because many of us, sometimes when we hear the call of God, we feel ill-equipped. I'm not smart enough. I'm not musical enough. I'm not outgoing enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not enough. But what we need to remember is that Jesus is enough. I will make you fishers of men, he says. I will transform you into what I need you to be. Jesus will turn us into what he needs us to be. We need only to be willing. Are you going to talk? Or are you going to fish? I'm not much of a fisher myself. Sometimes I wish I was. Maybe when the when the kids all graduate or when I retire and I, I just feel like I have time on Saturdays to go to the lake, I'll get into it. But if I were a, a fisherman, I feel like I'd be better at this sermon because I'd be peppering it with all kinds of like, wisdom that I learned out on the boat and that, that you can apply to your life. And I really don't have any of that. I, I've got one thing that I learned out fishing. See, my dad was really into fishing. My dad was a, uh, is, is a fly fisher. And um, he makes his own flies and he, he just really gets into it. Where's the whole uh, get up? And uh, he would take us out fishing and really uh, wanted us to, uh, to get into it too. And so my brother and I, when we were kids, we'd go out fishing with dad. And we'd stand in the middle of the river and we'd uh, whip our thing back and forth for about five minutes and uh, then we'd get bored. And those rods would go uh, to the side of, uh, of the river. I keep saying River Creek. And, um, and we would begin playing. And playing always involves splashing around, yelling, and throwing rocks. Right? And, of course, what would happen is my dad would get further and further away from us upstream until he was a dot. Um, because uh, the yelling... And the splashing and the rock throwing is scaring away all the fish. I think there's something we can learn from this. See, there's a lot of loud Christians out there making noise, making a big splash, throwing stones, and they're scaring away all the fish. The Barna Group surveyed a group of non-Christian Americans ages 16 through 29. Think about this for a second. 16 through 29, this is the most media-savvy generation probably in the history of the world. All of our messages as a church that we've been trying to get out there, this is the generation that has received it. Right? This is the generation that has heard our Christian music and our sermons and everything that we've been putting out there. They saw the commercial where we said open hearts, open doors, open minds. All of that stuff. Right? They've been receiving it and soaking it in. They have gotten our message. This group of non-Christians, 16 through 29, were asking a survey to describe Christians in one word. It wasn't even close. 91% of them responded judgmental. See, the world has had its fill of our talk, and they need us to fish. The world has had its fill of our talk, our yelling, our splashing, our stone throwing, and they need us to fish. And so a stick of dynamite is in your hands this morning. Are you going to talk? Or are you going to fish? Maybe Jesus took on those fishermen because fishermen are people of action. They do. They don't talk. Maybe he took on those fishermen because he looked at the religious and he saw only hypocrisy. Jesus didn't throw stones at singers. He didn't splash around and yell. He saved his harshest critique for the religious, who he said were all talk. He called them hypocrites, blind leading the blind, false prophets, vipers, wolves in sheep's clothing, dirty goblets, whitewashed tombs. And those are just the ones off the top of my head last night while I was writing this sermon. Children of hell, don't forget that one. The point is, real fishing takes patience, understanding, sometimes silence and listening. And the point is, the stakes are high. There's a hurting and dying world out there in need of the peace and healing that only can be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But all too often, we're too busy arguing about who is turtling enough for the turtle club to do anything about it. The point is, are you going to talk? Or are you going to fish? Look around you. The world needs Jesus. They need men and women who are willing to get over themselves, stop splashing around, and go fishing. Do You see them? They're all around you. Maybe they've got a big grin fixed on their face, but inside they're crying out for help. We've gotten good at not seeing them, but they are there. Too often we look the other way. It's it's easier not to get involved. Singers are messy. And we stop noticing. Henry David Thoreau famously said Most men lead lives of quiet desperation. You know anyone like that? Quietly desperate. They've got the smile on their face. It looks like they've got everything in their driveway and in their house that they could need or want. But quietly inside, they're restless, they're desperate, they're drowning. Makes me think of that uh, poem I had to read as a freshman in high school. It was by Stevie Smith Not Waving, But Drowning. It goes like this Nobody heard him, the dead man. But still he lay moaning. I was much further out than you thought, and not waving, but drowning. Poor chap, he always loved larking, and now he's dead. It must have been too cold for him. His heart gave way, they said. Oh, no, no, no. It was too cold always. Still the dead one lay moaning, I was much too far out all my life and not waving, but drowning. Are you going to talk? Or are you going to fish? We've gotten good at shrugging these people off. We've confused the waving for drowning at times and the drowning for waving. But the time for talk is over. Jesus is looking across the boat from you. The stick of dynamite is in your hands, and this morning you have to decide whether you're going to talk or you're going to fish. Because the times are desperate and they're out there. You went to high school with Vance Jorgen, it was always so much fun. The life of the party. But when everyone graduated and moved on, the party never really stopped for Vance. Nowadays, he's addicted to alcohol and prescription drugs. He used to be able to get sober long enough for uh, his, uh, his family to take him back in. But it's just been too many times and he's wore out his welcome. And everyone's turned their backs on him. He needs to know that Jesus has the power to deliver him. Are you going to talk or are you going to fish? Susan Farley lives right here in Reiner. She's a single mother with three kids. She managed to escape her abusive husband, but now she's on her own for the first time in her life. And she's barely able to keep the lights on. Sometimes she thinks about going back to him. Susan needs to know that she's a child of God, that she's loved beyond all measure. Are you going to talk? Are you going to fish? Stanley Thornton lives in English Meadows Nursing Home, but it doesn't feel like home. Especially since his wife Sally died. She did all the praying. She would go to church. Stanley hasn't really been to church since he got back from Korea. He's tired of living, but he knows in his heart he's not ready to die. Are you going to talk? Or are you going to fish? Alex Tucker. Alex Tucker goes to Auburn High School. He makes good grades. He's always smiling, always has a joke. Inside, he feels empty and angry. He bought a gun yesterday. He still hasn't decided how he's going to use it. Are you going to talk? Are you going to fish? See, there's a whole sea full of hurting and lost and dying people out there. They don't need your noise. They don't need your splash. They don't need your stones. They need your compassion, your empathy, and they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, we're all in this boat called the church. Jesus is looking across at us, The stick of dynamite is in our hands and we have to decide. Are we going to talk or are we going to fish? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.